How about spiritual warfare? Is it real? Does it affect your life? My life? What about the armor of God? Join me in completing a study on the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, the final verses from 10 to 24. Howdy, welcome to God's Adopted. I'm here to help encourage you to grow in faith through stories, teaching, and practical examples so you can experience more of God in and through your life. When we get born again, He adopts us. This podcast is here to encourage us all to grow in becoming the children of God He's adopted us to become. Join me and learn to do like Peter did. Let's get out of the boat and step on the water with Jesus. Welcome to the final part of the study of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 24 is what I'm talking about. I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm, I'm just sharing the main things that stood out to me as I did read them and prayed about this. And let's go ahead and open in prayer, and then we'll get into this. Father God, I pray that you would come and be near to all of us as we consider your truth and how we might be able to apply it into our own lives. And we just pray that you would come near to us and guide our thoughts and guard our thoughts by your Holy Spirit. And we pray for your blessings on this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We've covered a lot of different things in the book of Ephesians, for sure. And one of the main themes in the book of Ephesians is ongoing about the fact that there's a spiritual war at hand and it continues to go on and it's something that we can't ignore. Now, the church in Ephesus, they had occults and all kinds of different practices going on there. And so speaking about spirits and evil spirits and and naming uh, even spirits and how you call on a name of something to help you or to hurt someone or all of that kind of a stuff. It was normal. It was common language. It wasn't something that people argued about. They saw it all around them and they saw effects of it all around them. Sometimes, I think in our Western culture especially, it's not easy for us to think about spiritual things. But if you if you have a friend who comes from a different country who's, that is not really a Western country, if you will, and you talk to them about spirits and how do they deal with things over there and stuff like that, I think that you'll find some eye-opening opportunities if you're willing to just listen to what someone has to share without necessarily judging them or making a quick decision Sometimes if someone says certain words or a combination of words, like a phrase, walls go up and we stop listening. We don't even realize that we do it, but we definitely do it. I know I do it, and, and I, I take effort to listen, to learn how to listen. If I don't want to hear anything about it, I just don't even ask the question. But if I'm asking the question, hopefully I'm opening my ears also. And I want us to, to prayerfully consider keeping our ears open and sensitive to let God be our filter instead of our minds and our own thinking being our filter sometimes. And I'm going to read some of these verses here. I'm not going to read all of them. There's not a lot of verses, but I'm going to read some of them because they're verses that we've heard of before. Let me go ahead and go through 
starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world's rulers of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. This is verse 10 to 13 that I've read, and he's saying, hey, there is a war going on. Don't ignore it. How can we tell that the war is going on in our own lives? This really is a question, and I'd love to hear your responses. If you go to godsadopted.com, there's a form at the bottom of almost every page, or there's a way that you can reach out and contact me. Share with me what you think. I'd love to hear what you think about these things. How do you know if there's a spiritual war going on in your life? And I know it can be hard to tell sometimes. So let me ask a different question. Are you able to see a spiritual war in existence or going on in maybe some of the people's lives around you? Maybe some people at church? Maybe you don't go to church. Maybe at home groups. Some of the ways I know that I see a spiritual war going on, it's almost a weird thing to say I see a spiritual war going on. What if I said I see the, the effects of a spiritual war? So spirits are invisible. You don't see them. But the goal of any spirit, even the spirit of God, is to manifest in the physical other words, it's to, is to have an impact on the world, even that we live in. And obviously, the Holy Spirit wants to do that in a way that brings glory to the name of Jesus, even in and through our lives, as well as all that he does. Think about it. Anything that is not of God, that is spirit, it wants to do things that impact the world too, but it's not going to be doing things that are to help God or to bring glory to the name of Jesus. And actually, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is discernment of spirits. Isn't that interesting? I want to encourage you, if you've never done it, go look in 1 Corinthians, for example, in, and read chapter 12, 13, and 14, where the Apostle Paul really goes in deeply and talks about spiritual gifts and motivational gifts in, in Romans chapter 12, for example. And I want to warn you before you read the uh, first Corinthians, a lot of people take chapter 13 out of context and try and use it to say that the gifts of the Spirit, you know, they don't really, we don't need these anymore because all that's left is faith, hope, and love. And they really are distorting the word of God, because why would God's word say that these things don't exist anymore when chapter 12 and 14 explain how they do exist to be asking for them and how to use them? It just wouldn't make any sense at all. And if, you, if you're of that mindset, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just simply saying, how can you read God's word 
and and believe that he does not want to, us to pray that he would give us the gifts and help us to understand how to use them and apply them for our lives and the lives around us. All right, back to Ephesians here. So there is a war that goes on. Maybe if you're in a marriage or you see marriages around you especially, I think it's easy to see a spiritual war in marriages sometimes. It's almost like somebody who's not there comes up and and you know knocks the wife sideways, not in a physical way. It could be a thought. It could be an imagination or emotion. Same thing for the husband. And you find these two people looking at each other as if one of them did something to the other and neither of them had done anything. But there's this war going on. And because of that spiritual war going on, if you're not aware that it's happening or that it can happen, then you don't even know how to pray about it. You're not even you're not even praying for it. Like, what if you believe that evil spirits can't do anything to Christians? Like, if you're a Christian, you've been born again, and so that means that evil spirits aren't going to do anything to you, they, they, or they cannot do anything to you? Is that what you read in the Bible? If that was true, why would we see any of these verses about a spiritual war? Why would the Apostle Paul be saying and encouraging believers here to be putting on the whole armor of God. I want to encourage us here. You know, it's amazing when you start to see that the spiritual war exists. I read a book a long time ago called This Present Darkness. It is Christian fiction, but what it does a great job of, I think, is painting a picture to help you with your imagination to understand here's somebody who's a praying, and here's how God is sending angels to help his his person, his people. And, and you actually, the book actually talks about how these angels are fighting against these demons and different things around people's lives and how all of it's interacting and affecting each other. What a great image to have. Okay, let's stay biblical. Go read in in Daniel or in Ezekiel. There are places in the Bible where you see angels encountering God's people and how what happens. I mean, what about Mary? What about Joseph? Think about it. There's a spiritual war going all around us, going on. And it's a dark world that we live in. And I, I look forward to a day, and it's not right now, but when I can go ahead and expound on some teaching to really give understanding of, you know, how is the devil called the ruler of this world? How, would, how is the world a dark place according to God? And, and when we say these things, we're talking from biblical perspective. In other words, what does God say about it? What does he think about it? When, when Jesus is tempted in the desert, the devil takes him to a high place and says, hey, if you worship me, I'll give you all of this as if he owns it, as if he rules over it. Jesus never told him, hey, you don't, you don't own this. You don't rule over all this. Because actually, he had been given 
authority over the world, if you will, because of what happened in the garden. I'm, I'm not going to go further into it, but Jesus talks to people and he's, he's constantly showing little glimpses of the fact that there's a dark world and there, there are rulers and principalities in this dark world. And, and we get glimpses of the darkness around us popping out in conversation sometimes with the Pharisees and Jesus, or even when Peter at one point is telling Jesus, oh, you're not going to have to go die and everything. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And he's looking at Peter, but he's saying, get behind me, Satan. How does that happen? Spiritual warfare. It's real. It affects all of us. It can impact all of us. Now, if we have the armor of God on, if we're applying the truth that God teaches us in our lives, and we're following the teachings that Jesus teaches us along the way, and, and really makes clear to us by his Holy Spirit in us, then the war around us has less of an impact on us because we're more prepared. Think about it. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on reading here. Okay, continuing on with verse 14. Stand therefore, having the belt. So stand therefore, I got to pause. What's the therefore, therefore? It's there because he was just saying, look, there's a spiritual war going on all around us and everything. Be aware of it. Don't, don't pretend it doesn't exist. Don't ignore it, but do something about it. And what I want you to do is put on the whole armor of God. This is what he says in 10 to 13. And now in 14, stand therefore, having the belt of truth buckled around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having fitted your feet with the preparation of the good news of peace, above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the spoken word of God, the armor of God, the belt of truth. What is it? How do you put the belt of truth around your waist? How do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Well, we do this by living a life that demonstrates it being upon us. Maybe that's a weird way to say that. Uh, some of this, some of the armor of God talks about how we live our life, our character, which is, which is seen and heard by the things we do and say, right? So the, the belt of truth is we're truthful people. We're, our character is of people that say what we mean and mean what we say, and we speak what is in line with what God says. It's a weird world that we live in. Some people think that whatever you believe is true is true. I don't believe that. I believe that whatever God says is true is true. No matter what anybody else says, even the apostles, if you read through the New Testament, you'll find the apostles at one point, they're like, we're fools for Christ. And they're, they're talking about, look, at every, everybody around us is going to say we're like a bunch of fools. But what we're saying is not foolish. It's only foolish to people who don't believe in God. But to those who do believe, it's not foolishness. And 
So, all right, how do you put on a belt of truth? You you be, be a person who is truthful. What if you used to lie a lot and stuff like that? What if you used to have poor character? Well, get your character straightened out and, and start being a person who is a character of truth. And it, it could be hard. One of the hardest things I know for people are when when somebody knows that they were lying and stuff and they're trying to turn their life around, they're trying to make changes. I'll rephrase that. They're trying to let God make change in them. And it's hard because they have people pointing at them saying, oh, that person, you can't trust that person. Look at all the times they've lied before and stuff like that. That can be really hard. But if that's you, I want to encourage you. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, you. we all sow seeds and then we reap what we sow. And sometimes there are definitely consequences to, to our sin. We can be forgiven and washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We can be forgiven and made as white as snow. We can be forgiven of things that we've done, of sins that we've committed, and still have consequences remaining because of those sins. That doesn't mean we weren't forgiven. And I'm saying this in particular about this when it comes to character, especially, because like a lot of times when we meet a stranger, we give them a certain amount of trust. And anything that they do against that trust, if they break that trust, they may not regain trust again. That's just true. And it could just be a consequence. Or if it, you're in a marriage or in any kind of relationship that's a deep relationship, you can cause harm to that relationship. And it might take a lot of time before things can be reestablished if they can be reestablished. Sometimes a consequence of sin is that something's so broken that it cannot be reestablished. I'm just being very honest here, but I want to encourage you, put on the belt of truth, right? And then it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, how do you have a breastplate of righteousness? You live in yourself being righteous according to God, right with God. Let's say it that way. Be and remain right with God. In in the things about forgiveness, I like one person says it this way, always keep short accounts with God and men. Other words, as soon as you know that you've sinned, repent, right? Ask for forgiveness and go on. And keep that right standing with God. Thank God that our right standing with him depends on him more than it depends on us. We're not made righteous because of what we do or don't do. Right? But to keep a breastplate of righteousness on, right? So that we know ourselves that we're remaining in a right place. Well, be a good be of good character. Do what God calls you to do the way that he calls you to do it and keep growing in your faith. And then it says, have and having fitted your feet with the preparation of the good news of peace. Always so the good news of peace. What's the good news of peace? Hey, you can be born again. Your sins can be forgiven. You can have a relationship with God. Whereas before you couldn't, and now you can. 
So what's the good news? You can repent and believe and be forgiven. I mean, literally, Jesus said the good news is that you can have repentance now and you can be forgiven by God and have that relationship with God. And being able to share that with other people that they can, that there's good news and they can have it too. It's good news for them and for you too. And then it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. I mean, what are fiery darts? What are they in your life? Are they thoughts in your mind? I know some people, they talk about they have a tape that keeps playing in their mind. Oh my goodness, beating themselves up or letting themselves be beat up. I'm going to say it that way. There's a place in the Bible where it says, take, take captive every thought that comes up against the, the knowledge of God and make it obedient to Christ. Think about that. And so we have this, this shield of faith. The word faith, if you need another way to think about the word faith, because that can it can be hard to understand that word sometimes. What if I said it this way? Take, take up the shield of trust. In other words, trust God. How do you trust God? You, you, you believe what he says above what anybody else says, even what you might even think yourself. So if you have a thought that comes in your mind that says you're not worth anything, well, God says that you were worth dying for, and Jesus died for you. I would say that, that you're worth pretty much, you're a lo- worth a lot, <laughs> even though you might have a tape recording saying something else. We want to choose what God says above anybody else, even our own self. And that's partly why we got to keep growing and everything too. And part of taking up the shield of faith is actually doing what God says, saying what he says to say, and applying it in our lives so that we can trust him. See, whenever we're doing what he says, we're trusting him. Whenever we do something his way or say something his way, we're trusting him. We are putting our faith in him. We are, we are holding our shield of faith and we're using it in our life. And, and we need that. And then it says, and take up the helmet, right? Take the helmet of salvation, right? We need to be born again. We need to be saved. If you're not, I want to encourage you, be saved, be born again. Look up my episode about salvation. <laughs> I have one. Anyway, I'll have more. So you can j- just keep following. I'll, I'll share more about God with you along the way. Anyway, so have the helmet of salvation. I hope that you've been born again and that you've been saved by Jesus. And you have that relationship with God. And it says, in the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God, we want to know what the Bible says. There's a verse when I when I was reading about the armor of God and the, and especially the sword of the spirit and and the shield of faith there was a band that I used to listen to some of their music a long time ago and I'm, I might have to listen to some again soon called Petra and they had this one song that was called No Weapon I think it was called No Weapon that is formed against us shall prosper or something like that anyway they're quoting a verse from the Bible I was thinking about this verse as I was reading through the armor of God, Isaiah 54, verse 17. It says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. 
This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Oh, I love that. It demonstrates how God is around anyone who's serving him, that he's watching over us, and and in such a powerful way that no weapon formed against us can prosper. We've talked about there's a spiritual war going on. We've talked about the armor of God, and I want to encourage you to dig into the Word of God. I always want to encourage all of us to grow and apply God's truths in our lives, and I want to encourage you to do that too. The last verses of this chapter, verses 18 to 20, Paul talks about encouraging us to keep praying, being praying kind of a people, and praying in the Spirit. And you can understand and learn more about that in 1 Corinthians 14. And he encourages us to persevere and to be aware of what's going on with each other so that we can pray with each other. And he even asked them specifically, pray pray for for me so that I know what to say and, and that I can say it with boldness about the mystery of the good news. And he talks about how he's an ambassador for God in chains, but he's, he's making a prayer request to them. And the, then the last part of Ephesians 6 verses 21 to 24, Paul is really sharing with them, look, I'm sending this person to you and he's going to let you know everything that's going on. And I really think this is an encouragement for us to stay in touch, stay in a community of believers somehow. Maybe you're part of a small group somewhere. Maybe maybe the only time that you have time with other believers in the Lord is maybe there's a small Bible study you do at work once a week. Or every morning you go have coffee and share and talk about the Bible with somebody. Or maybe you're part of, part of a church. In truth, Any of us who are in the body of Christ, any of us who are born again, are part of the body of Christ. And I always want to encourage us to be a part of the body of Christ. In other words, to be in communion with other believers, spend time with other people who believe what we believe, that Jesus is Lord. And have they have Jesus as Lord over their lives. It should show in their life. It should show in their speech. It should show about them. It shouldn't be something that's hidden away. The only time you know that this person's a Christian is because, well, every once in a while you get a little peekaboo. Oh, oh, that's a Christian. Oh, it it really, I'm not saying we have to walk around with a four-foot cross. But I, I am encouraging us, be who God has made you to be for this day and age. And I'm going to close with this, and this is, this concludes my my going through Ephesians with you. And I hope you listen to more episodes of God's Adopted. If you have any questions, I hope that you reach out to me. And I'm going to close in prayer now. And thank you so much for listening. Father God, thank you and praise you for being a great God, a good Father. Jesus, thank you for being a good Lord. Amazing brother. Praise you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being a counselor for each of us, a comforter. I pray that you would come close to each one of us as we listen. Anyone who's listening, any brother or sister who's listening, I pray that you'd encourage us and build us up in our faith, in in our faith to you. 
and applying your truth in our lives. Help us, each of us, to put on the whole armor that you provide us, even in yourself. And I pray, for, Father, for protection over us and the families represented here. And I pray for divine appointments for people that we care about who don't know you. I pray that they would somehow encounter you in some special way. And I just praise you and thank you, Father, for this time that we've had here in Jesus' name. Amen. I love seeing how our real living God is working in and through our real living lives in this real world. Please subscribe to this podcast and keep listening. If you've been blessed or encouraged in some way and want to leave a review, please do that by writing your review on iTunes. If you haven't already, please drop in and say howdy in our Facebook group when you can. See you next time on The Water with Jesus.